Welcome to the Noble Ape Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbele, the creator of Noble Ape, and this evening I'm going to give a Noble Ape Language 101, which ultimately probably should have been the topic of the previous podcast. However, I think of Noble Ape very much in a kind of procedural way, where there are certain components of Noble Ape that I just need to do, and I focus on those things in a kind of, you know, what, what I am producing at any given time. Uh, and it's quite difficult for me to have a kind of step-back reflective user perspective uh, of what the simulation has to offer. But in reflection, I thought I should talk a bit more about how the Noble Apes could communicate um, using the speak-listen protocol, uh, which is currently implemented in ApeScript. When I came to creating uh, a communication mechanism for the Noble Apes, there were a number of possible options open to me, and my sense was that the easiest possible option was just to give um, simple uh, byte, or in this case two byte communications per time cycle, uh, and allow the author of ApeScript, or the author of the particular ApeScript, to define firstly how this communication took shape, and secondly how the communication would be actively used by the noble apes. This is a great degree of freedom, and my intention with this was not to kind of pigeonhole um, the way in which people would use language through the simulation, but basically give a great degree of freedom um, in, in the way uh, in which language was implemented. Point of fact, there is a possibility that one could create uh, a version of the simulation, a version of the um, ape cycle through ape script, where the apes actually evolved and created their own language. And in creating a language protocol, I wanted to really make it as simple as possible uh, to enable both a hard coding of language uh, where uh, specific um, byte sets mean specific things, and also on the other extreme, uh, extreme soft coding uh, of language where apes of particular tribes or particular groups or even particular DNA structures uh, could have uh, an evolving language which formed, created uh, numerous reference words and things of this nature. So I wanted to keep it as, as broad as possible. This begs the question, how does one implement either end of that kind of language um, spectrum? Uh, and my thought is that the, um, the predefined language is probably the easiest to implement. Uh, but the real question is, what do noble apes talk about? And my sense initially is that concepts like food are relatively central because there are no fierce felines in the current simulation. Uh, fear is less important. However, the communication of things like the distances between places, um, if you're familiar with running the simulation for long periods of time, uh, you will be well aware that the, the primary cause of fatality in the noble ape simulation is apes drowning. Uh, apes getting out of their depth uh, in pursuit of female apes or perhaps better looking landscapes um, and drowning and communicating information like stop wait don't go in that water or you don't have enough energy or you know basically this kind of community survival language I think would be relatively central to any language that a user would want to hard code into the simulation uh, and this poses interesting programming problems um, Initially, probably within the first month and a half of, of Noble Ape, and here I am digressing once again, um, Pedro wrote uh, a series of uh, ApeScript programs to describe various um, psychological phenomena that he wanted to model uh, in terms of the apes uh, being agoraphobic, the apes you know, liking communities and things of this nature. And I think language adds another dimension to those kind of ApeScript examples. Um, particularly in the idea of 
different kinds of languages. So you could perhaps DNA stamp a particular language and thus only family members could communicate at a particular level. Really, you can add these kind of aspects as, as much as you want. On the other extreme, the completely relativist language um, it poses a similar but different group of, of implementation problems. Similarly, perhaps complicated, but a different group of implementation problems. And my sense there is that any kind of language that was relative would also need to have some idea of, of space and perhaps time concepts which were also relative. Um, and relative modelling is something that I talk about in the original manuals, um, but it's also something that I think about very strongly in the simulation. It's something that I've tried to convey through um, the hard-coded version of the simulation, although the current, the current hard-coded version isn't quite to that, um, that particular... Um, uh, metaphor, uh, but my sense is that um, in having concepts like space and time and possibly concepts like eating uh, and modelling energy use and finding ways to translate this to, to actual communication, uh, I think one could develop a, a, you know, a relative language, um, probably um, with, you know, maybe... Um, uh, a thousand lines of ape script, possibly more. My sense is that the relative language is something which is, if the non-relative language, if the hard-coded language is an undergraduate project, so to speak, or uh, a general obsessive user project, to put it into more noble ape-specific terms, I think the relative language is uh, uh, m you know, a, a more complicated problem that probably wouldn't require more code, but would certainly require more thinking um, about how one would actually phrase it. My dream is to get to a state where the Noble Ape simulation is sufficiently uh, established that I can actually put my own time into that. It's a very much a kind of operating system uh, application program metaphor with, with regards to Noble Ape as it kind of continues. Noble Ape really becomes the operating system and the, the users become the programs or they write their own programs for, for the simulation. This is something I feel very comfortable with in some regard. However, it requires an active and motivated group of, of users that are, that are using ApeScript. And I think, I don't know, probably a subset of this podcast. It's now, having said that there were in the low teens, there have been more subscriptions recently to the podcast. So thank you very much for tuning in regularly. My sense is that a small group of the podcast listeners may also program in ApeScript. And if you have hesitated to get in contact with me, please get in contact with me if you're using ApeScript. Tom at NobleApe.com. I, um... I've talked in these podcasts about the ApeScript competition, uh, and my sense is that is something that will be happening in the, in the near future. Um, various kind of legal financial things need to be sorted out, basically, about how the prize money is allocated and how tax is handled and things of this nature. But the ApeScript competition is, is something that is coming up soon-ish. Um, but I'm interested in just communicating with people that are using ApeScript just to get a sense of what they're using it for. The debug version of the simulation, I should put, uh, the debug ApeScript version of the simulation rather, I should put a new version online uh, for both Mac and PC because it is actually being downloaded quite frequently uh, with the simulation downloads. A surprising number. Um, the last simulation, um, 681, 
Uh, there have been about 40 downloads, uh, 40 downloads evenly spread between Mac and Windows, which is interesting, 40 downloads at piece, roughly, uh, of the ApeScript debug, um, which is not something I would have expected. When I first started releasing ApeScript debug, there were a dozen people that were downloading it per uh, simulation cycle, and to get up to a number like 40 makes me think maybe there are there is a subset group that are actually tinkering with ApeScript. It's the nature of developing the Noble Ape simulation that you really don't get a sense of the user base unless people actively get in contact. Um, and it's something that I find uh, particularly interesting, kind of developing in isolation, that you, you, know, you have a particular hypothesis about how uh, a particular release will affect the user base, and then you make the release, and then you change the hypothesis, and there's a constant iterative cycle, almost the meta-programming of the simulation, uh, which I like and keeps me amused almost as much as the programming of the simulation. So, language, writing language, visualizing language. What interests me in particular with ApeScript is the ability to have additional functionality added to ApeScript. I described in previous podcasts this idea of ApeScript as something that is standalone, perhaps a module, which can then be combined with graphical components or, or other things uh, in order to create you know, new, um, new uses of ApeScript. My sense is that one could write relatively easily a cognitive model uh, that included ApeScript that was quite abstract from the Noble 8 simulation, and I think this is something uh, that could be easily be a sideline project. I was thinking with regards to the ApeScript contest that there could be an additional uh, component that related to actual uses of ApeScript. And my sense is, particularly with the abstract language, um, the modelling views of space and time and uh, f food that they liked and uh, energy usage and these kind of things in abstract graphical ways other than the current uh, three-dimensional brain state um, would would be a really worthwhile project um, and I think about ApeScript as, as really being an interface which which has on one side the simulation has on the other side a whole possibility of other things that interface with ApeScript as well in the near future, and this is a caveat to some early discussion, I'm going to start um, running uh, brute force testing on the Noble Ape simulation. This is something that has interested me for many years, has been in a topic of occasional mail-outs over the past five years, and my interest is really to see if the Noble Ape simulation is run over the equivalent of a simulated um, tens of thousands of years what the net effect will be, whether the population is maintained, what direction the apes go in, um, what kind of genetics persist. These kind of questions all filter back to the kind of long-term purpose of the simulation. Um, and really what most users typically see uh, is at most maybe five or six years of simulated time. And my interest is really seeing what happens to the simulation over... Uh, tens of thousands of years of simulated time. Um, my plan with this is to... Uh, I have a couple of servers and a couple of laptops and just basically run them um, relatively indefinitely with screens off and just in kind of pure processing state. Um, I've attempted this in the past. I think the longest I've ever run the simulation for in simulation time uh, would be a couple of hundred simulated years. So my interest is really pushing that boundary and moving it in a completely different direction about the length of time that the simulation is run for. Then we'll move it back into a kind of first principles model, which I think is really quite critical, uh, not just to take this aspect of, of language and 
and perhaps their modelling of some aspects of the biology, the time evolution, the physics, but really seeing how far back we can push it uh, in terms of getting a sense of um, how close to first principles we can actually get. Obviously, we're not going to be simulating atomic states or anything like that, but there is a level of, of simulation where you really are moving towards kind of can, can we construct any possible kind of creature? Can we throw this creature in a simulation environment and what happens? So really a far more kind of organic, um, not necessarily realistic, I don't like to use that term with regards to artificial life simulation, but a far richer uh, tapestry of simulation uh, when compared to kind of contemporary spores or other simulations that look at, um, at uh, selective components of this. So this kind of meta-grand simulation is something that I've talked about from uh, the last mail out until present, but it's something that's been percolating for, for a number of years. And to have a, a brute force testing uh, environment, something which I'm uh, happy with running the simulation for you know, in number of years, I want to have a, a rich enough kind of meta-script um, that um, evolution and mutation and these kind of ideas come implicitly rather than explicitly. And defining that in code, creating code that enables you to do that, um, is, is really the project for probably the next six months of, of Novelape. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast. Until then. <laughs>